What's it like when one of your friends on death row is led away to be executed? You have a prepaid call from William A. Aguirre. An inmate at the California State Prison, San Quentin. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. I had to be a different, complete guy, which is the guy who walked the walkways of San Quentin's death row and without a gang, without a, a group of people around me, it was just me. Soon after you went into to be on death row, and you didn't really understand the prison workout system so much. But then he said, we're going to do 75 sets of it. To me, that seems extreme. So I'm wondering if there's a danger of overtraining, wearing yourself out so that you're... <laughs> no, no, that's actually funny. And it's funny, I'll tell you why. That's a good one, man. I'll tell you why. Look, it's funny. Welcome to Death Row Diaries, the only podcast hosted live from Death Row. I am Matt Ralston. And I am William Nagaro. Today we have to talk about a guy named Herbert Mullen. And this guy is frightening, but I do think it raises a lot of questions that we talk about on this show, but just that are, are usually bandied about, about mental health and and what that matters and in terms of a dangerous person being out there. But first, Bill, this is something you brought to my attention. Coincidentally, in this very same area where Mullen was uh, abducting and killing people, there's a serial killer out there. How did this come to your attention? Well, it's been all over the news. Uh, it's the Stockton killer, and we don't have a real name for him. He's relatively new. He's been on the prowl since last year, April. But he had a cooling period for almost a little bit over a year that he struck again in the last couple of months since July of this year. He's killed five times. Now, we don't know a whole lot about him. We see you know, grainy photographs of his shadow. So he's the Stockton shadow. I think that's a good name for him. But, yeah, so... The news has been hot on this. The national news has been hot on it. There's a lot of uh, loose ends. No one knows who this guy is. There's no real motive. So they're already dubbing him a serial killer. So if you're listening, Bill and I mostly only talk on this, on this line, on these calls, because it's limited. I had no idea there was a cooling period and that you were already aware of this. So can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure. And this has come to national attention to, to law enforcement that when I first thought that he started killing in July. And I say he, well, tentatively because the shadow seems to look like a male. So, you know, what we had going on is July the 8th, a 35-year-old male named Paul Yao, I, I, I hope I got his name right, it's Y-A-W, at 12.31 a.m., which is past midnight, is shot and killed. And, you know, the following month, I, on August 11th, a 43-year-old Hispanic man at 9.49 p.m. named Salvador B. Budley, and I hope I got that right, is also shot and killed. So the whole thing about cooling off 
off periods, at least for serial killers, some of them terribly kill and then they back away and then they return again when they've sometimes perfected or they feel that they've evolved enough to continue killing or there isn't that chick isn't pushing them to do it. With this person, and again, we're only talking tentatively because the killings that are happening in Sacramento, they seem to be targeting Hispanic men. And that always raises an eyebrow. Could it be a serial killer? People always like to label people serial killers as soon as they kill, or you have some type of a spree or some type of a... And no one knows. Are the bullets the same? We don't know. Law enforcement usually gives us about 30% of what's really going on. The rest they keep because they want to know when someone comes forward or they get... They definitely don't want to give the killer a heads up of what they know so he can hide or cover his tracks. So... Just recently, they thought that all this took place in the last couple of months. Over the last 48 hours, Matt, there's been a connection. And law enforcement hasn't given us what that connection is. But in Oakland, California, last year, on April the 10th, 2021, a Hispanic man was shot and killed. Same type of circumstance, early morning, late night. On April the 16th, a woman in Oakland, California, is also shot randomly in the evening, early morning, but she survives. All they know is that he is using a handgun and it is a shadowy figure. That's all they have. Now, law enforcement is connecting these attacks in April of 2021 with these five murders that are happening in Stockton. But Matt, listen, this is the only connection they're making between those two. There's a very good possibility that they just don't know of other connections that this guy has with other people he's killed. Maybe in in March or previous uh, times, or maybe between 2021 and 2022. This is just information that we're getting now. So I'm talking about cooling periods. It seems good logic that between. April 16th and then July the 8th of 2022 that there was a cooling period if in fact he is a serial killer. All right, so I have a lot of thoughts now as someone who drives past Stockton on a regular basis. If you go downtown, anyone you see is going to be a Mexican man. So is he targeting Mexicans or is he just there? And when I look at that photo, just trying to kind of work through this, I don't see a Mexican guy because I see a a very slim, narrow-hipped, narrow-shouldered person. And, And the odds are very much against this. It could even be a woman, but that's just how kind of petite the figure is. And I, I don't have a cohesive theory here. These are just my thoughts on it. Five of the victims until about four days ago were all mostly Hispanic. So the first victim, who they believe was, was Paul Yala, but we know now that he was not the first victim. He is not Hispanic. But the second victim, Sal- Salvador, the 43-year-old Hispanic man, was Hispanic. The third person in the spree in Stockton is Jonathan Rodriguez. He was shot and killed August the 21st at 6.41 a.m. With a, with a 
7 a.m. on the 21st of September. His name is Juan Cruz. Now, I don't know what what someone's doing out at 4.27 a.m. in a place where he's alone. Again, the police aren't giving us all the information. The next person on September 27th, six days after, is a 54-year-old Hispanic man named Lawrence Lopez. He shot at 1.53 a.m. He is Hispanic. So, you know, these all people died of gunshot wounds. Uh, we're not sure if it's the same gun. They all happened when the people were alone at night or early morning. They all seem to be ambushed. So those tend to give the impression that maybe this guy is hunting Hispanic men. The, the first gentleman, Paul Yao, he looks like he may be of Asian descent, but Hispanic men sometimes look like Asian people, at least some do. But then we find that on April of last year, a Hispanic man is also shot, but then a woman, and these are on the other side of the Bay Area, which is Oakland and Sacramento, and I'm sorry, Oakland and Stockton are quite a bit of distance away from each other. Um, I'd say a, a guess is maybe about, about I don't know, probably an, miles, uh, miles? Yeah, an hour and a half, probably. Okay, so it's very feasible this guy can be driving, but if that's true, he could drive anywhere, and he could have a lot more victims. But I would not jump to the conclusion that he's a serial killer. We know that serial killers usually kill for gratification, sexual or uh, psychological, those include control and things like that. We don't know if this guy has a motive. We don't know. So I don't want to jump to the conclusion, but let's start calling him the Stockton Shadow. I mean, that certainly seems like to me, to me until we know more. That's really all I have on this Stockton killer. If you do see something and you're in the Stockton area or anywhere really, and you see a man approaching your old woman and look, you're alone. Look, sometimes it's better instead of saying, okay, who's there? Just turn around and run. I mean, look, I get it. Look, I used to teach a class at, at University of Pomona where I would teach women's defense and men's defense against possible rape or assault. And the first thing I taught was, like, pay attention to your instincts. Those are the first, those warning bells that go off in your head before you go out to a dark parking lot that are saying you shouldn't be out there. Ladies and gentlemen, pay attention to those instincts. Those are primal instincts that are telling you there might be something out there that you don't want to encounter. So if you run across a person like this or a person that's approaching you, you don't feel cross the street or just hightail out of there. That's my best advice. You know, I just had this pretty similar situation happen. Someone was tugging on my door at 5 a.m. and it woke me up out of a sleep and I wondered if I should chase him down and tackle him. And I had both thoughts. And um, Yeah, well, you're, I know you when you wake up, man. I know you're not thinking straight. It takes you at least 15 grams of caffeine to get going, so... <laughs> Stay in bed, man. I mean, I, look, I, I know what you sound like when you wake up, so I know you're not thinking straight. I got a couple just real quick follow-ups on this Stockton, Sacramento guy. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I see your point, but from what I saw in the news and what I've been observing, these guys are not homeless. These guys um, have families. Their families are talking about them. There's uh, immediately people are coming to this. There's a $95,000 reward to catch the guys doing this. 
I don't believe that's true. That's probably one of those things people write is they see some Hispanic people and think, oh, they must be homeless. Look, a lot of people in this country at 4.30 in the morning, and I may, I may have misspoke, because sometimes they're out that late because they're going to work, or maybe they're some Hispanic men work on crews, and they're waiting for their ride to pick them up to take them to that job site. So, I, I, you know, I think we would be doing a, a, well what law enforcement did in the 70s and 80s when a sex worker was involved, and right away they dismiss it as not being that important. I think that's a huge mistake, especially in today's world where, you know, we, we don't, we try not to, to, to objectify or put people in a category where they're looked upon as less. I think these men were, and obviously there's a woman involved too, um, were probably people just working. They, they're out that night, they're, they're walking their dog. No one knows because they're not giving us that many details. Okay, I see, I see. Um, and last thing, the photo, which, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure why they released it. It does exclude a decent amount of people because it's a, all I could say is it's a thin person. So is, yes. is that why they released it? You know, I think they're trying to give as much evidence that they feel comfortable with you. I'm sure they have more evidence of that shadow there. If that particular photograph is there, they probably have a video, and the video probably shows the man. Obviously, he's thin, possibly tall. Um, you know, I don't know for sure, but I would state my reputation that law enforcement is a lot more, and they're holding that information so they can catch the person involved. But they also want the public to know, be aware, be safe, because there is somebody out there that's killing people randomly, or will we believe is randomly, and you should be aware of the, the circumstances. I think that's good public, uh, public policy. So just basic common sense and anyone who just reads things or understands the kind of human experience, it's probably a guy. But when I see the photo, I'll probably be proven wrong or, or not wrong, but but could that be a woman? It's It's like a thin person with narrow hips. Yeah, if, if I was to guess right now, because of proportions, I'd say it's a man. Women don't, women usually have a flair to the hips, sometimes they don't, but the, the, the bigger picture is that women don't normally do these kind of random killings, or these kind of killings. We have had women who kill, but they usually have a pretty good reason, the connection between the witness, unless, of course, you're you're the woman out of, uh, out of Florida who we covered in an episode, um, uh, and that's, her name escapes my name, horrible with names. But, um, yeah, I'd say it's a man. He's probably a man who's, you know, has issues. Um, and he's obviously expressing that by killing people. But, again, we don't know what's going on. We don't have any connection. We don't know what his motives are, if any. Bill, I usually read this part, but we've done this enough. Would you want to try reading the promos real quick about, about where you should follow us? Well, yeah, that's pretty good because I have probably zero experience. I'm going to give my best, um, you know, Ed Riley voice and stuff. But please follow us on um, Facebook at Death Row Diaries, on Instagram at Death Row Diaries. Check out our website, deathrowdiaries.com. Check out our Patreon page. I don't know what the hell that said, so you're, you're good as good as mine. And definitely listen to the show. Tell a friend. Listen. We're doing something that no one else is doing. We're talking about a place of experience. 
most of the people who are doing this stuff are reading it from a book. They don't know these killers like I do. Matt's a pretty funny guy. Look, I'm getting him out of bed to do this stuff early in the morning. You should have heard when I first called. The guy was out of it, man. Completely out of it. And it, my theory that he may be a serial killer just is furthered by that assumption he's out there prowling at night. So listen to us, follow us, and give us a good review. We'd appreciate it. Very well done. And that is coming from a guy, listeners, who doesn't have the internet. You don't know anyone who doesn't have the internet. Through no fault of your own, Bill, you've never really had the internet, which is insane to me. And that is patreon.com slash death row diaries. Yeah, that's part of the problem of being in prison, but hey, here I am. All right. So the subject of our show today is Herbert Mullen. Yeah who is from the same area we were just talking about where there's a lot of these guys running around, which uh, listeners, if you're from overseas, which a lot of our listeners are, Santa Cruz is a frightening place. In that movie Lost Boys, they called it Santa Carla. That's not a real place. What they were referencing was Santa Cruz. Lock your doors if you're ever there. It's a weird place. Um and there's a lot of... Wait, wait. Are you kidding me? You mean the, are, you, are you referencing the Lost Boys of Vampire movie with Keith Sutherland? Yeah. <laughs> oh, hell no. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, now you know this is what I'm talking about, the Lost Boys. Wow. Okay. This one. <laughs> well, Great. yeah, I, was, I guess there's nothing more contemporary. I'm just saying it's a weird place, man. The mystery <laughs> spot... I, I've been to Santa Cruz a lot. That, that's why I... Uh, uh, th- this story is really interesting because it connects to another serial killer who was doing the same thing at this time. And there's a, a lot of question of just this guy's mental health. And, you know, was he truly insane? And we'll get into it. So where does this start? Where should we start off here, Bill? Well, let's start with, you know, who he is, Herbert William Mullen. He was born April 18th, 1947. Um, this guy kills because he wants to prevent earthquakes. He's killing between 1972 and 1973. Uh, he is caught early, February 13th, 1973. He's caught, and this guy really backs up basically everything I said from the very beginning. And this is, I guess a good example to prove my thesis correct. So this guy has a complete normal upbringing. He's born in Salinas, California, and he moves to San Francisco at the age of five. Normal kid, lots of friends. Here's one for you, Matt. Like you, he is voted most likely to succeed by his classmates at San Leandro Valley High guy is not a weirdo, doesn't have scars on his face from acne, he's a normal kid. You know, after his graduation is where the problem starts. He hasn't been abused, he's not a, a, a child of, of sexual abuse. What he does have is a problem he was born with that developed as time went on. With him, it developed early, and that is that he is a paranoid schizophrenic. He, the, the symptoms, uh, he begins to experience them his last year of high school. He hears voices. Um, and then a tragedy occurs in his life, which I believe accelerated the 
mental condition, which is paranoid schizophrenia, and that was the death from a car crash of his friend Dean Richardson. And this kid, Mullen, at the time, I'm saying kid, not to excuse him, only to say, because he was a kid then, he's devastated. He begins to build these shrines for his friend, and he becomes obsessed with reincarnation. So before this point, no uh, criminal record, no problems with law enforcement, he's not torturing animals, he's not lighting fires, he's a normal kid that's suffering from a mental health issue. Yeah. But his reason for killing eventually is a sort of self-aggrandizing, don't know how to put it, but... God is talking to him, right? And God's talking to a lot of people, but in this case, he's going to be the savior of all society if he kills a bunch of people. And I'm not schizophrenic. I kind of fail to see the connection there. And and I, I think you can be both things. That seems like a really narcissistic tendency. Well, I, I, yeah, I can see your point. I mean, we have to look at the history of what he, where he's coming from. So usually people are grandiose, they, they, they want the attention on them. That is a, something that happens very early on. He shows signs as a child, he shows signs in high school. This guy's showing all those signs until the paranoid schizophrenia starts coming in. And what he does is his response is that he is admitted uh, to different state hospitals. He can Mendocino State Hospitals and name one. And over the next few years, he enters a number of mental institutes because he's looking for help. Um, whether it's his parents putting him in there or, the, or he's walking himself, we don't know. But, but in his mid-20s, he's been in five different institutions. And, you know, he's not doing well. Uh, you know, he hasn't hurt anybody, but he isn't doing well. He's hearing voices. He believes they may be God speaking to him. And by 1972, he moves in with his parents in Santa Cruz. He goes back to Santa Santa Cruz Mountains. And his birthday is April 18th, which here's where you start seeing these connections that paranoid schizophrenics make. And I've seen it happen because of drug use that sets it off or advances it or it really lights a fuse to it. And here we see it. And it isn't because of drug use, really, but he is using from what we learned is LSD and he's smoking a little pot, but I don't think that's going to do anything to him. If anything, they'll probably mellow him out. But, so April 18th is his birthday, but it's also the anniversary of the San Francisco earthquake, which he believes, and this is what he's developing already in his mid-20s, that he could set, set on a course to prevent new earthquakes. And he believes that the Vietnam War is connected to this. So this is where you start seeing really weird connections to his brain and how things work and they're connected to this paranoid schizophrenic mindset which is a disease but it doesn't lessen what he does i don't think it's an excuse and i think you have a problem with us too matt you say you you don't, you, you don't buy the fact that he's crazy if he's crazy fine he's got mental issues but doesn't excuse and i happen to agree with you but what he believes is that the vietnam war there's been enough sacrifices and i mean american deaths blood sacrifices to, to uh, nature, that it forestalls an earthquake. But by 1972, the war is almost over, 
So he believes that he must then continue sacrificing people to nature to in order to, again, stop this earthquake from hitting national disaster. And he's appointed himself this grand, you know, I guess, savior of the world. And this is how this starts. This is how his killing spree starts. He believes he has to sacrifice or give blood sacrifices to nature. Let me call back. So to say this guy was influenced by the climate of the time or his environment would probably be an understatement. This is a time where just your average gross-smelling, dumb, cracker-ass dude would sit around talking about this very kind of thing. They just wouldn't take it to the point of, well, now I have to kill people. That's a bridge too far. It's like he's passing a joint around and everyone's going, yeah, we were with you until... uh... Yeah, well, I mean, he's keeping this to himself because he believes that he is the savior that must do this. So what does he do? So same year, 1972, October 13th, Mullen is... Well, first of all, he's a disorganized killer. He doesn't have a plan of action. He doesn't stalk his victims. He doesn't find out where they were. He doesn't set the place up so he can come back and do his deed. This guy is basically just randomly says, huh, I'm going to stop my car. He has a 1958 Chevy station wagon. He pulls over to the side of the road, and this 55-year-old guy named Lawrence, and I know you're going to crack a joke about this, but his nickname is Whitey. Lawrence Whitey White. That's a cold freaking name, but okay, that's his name. And the guy sees that Mullen's got his hood up. He's having car trouble. Whitey says, hey, man, can I help you? Um, If I help you, would you give me a ride? Shit, Mullen's like, absolutely. But let me bash in your head or he pulls out a baseball bat while the guy's looking at his car. He basically bashes his head in. That's what he does. And he just... Like, out of nothing, he just drags the body into the woods because Santa Cruz is a pretty uh, mountainous, uh, wooded area. And he just leaves him there, drives off like nothing. According to Mullins, he said that Whitey looked like Jonah from the Bible. Well, first of all, how the hell does Mullen know what Jonah looks like from the Bible? I don't know how he knows what he looks like, but he says that he sent him telepathic messages that he should kill him. So how does he respond? He kills him. That simple. No motive. There's no robbery. There's no sexual gratification. It is a course that he set for himself because he's sacrificing human bodies or human blood sacrifices to prevent a catastrophic, uh, a monstrous uh, earthquake. Yeah. Well, I'm struggling with this whole diagnosis, and it's not like this guy is a madman walking around with a knife in his hand and people can avoid him if they see him. He's got a ruse here. He's pretending to have a car engine problem. He's under the hood and he's posing. It's very calculated. Later, he'll scratch the serial number off of a gun that he used, which is kind of what... So I'm, I'm still kind of weirded out here by if this guy's schizophrenic, he's a... To me, that doesn't sound disorganized, Bill. That sounds organized to me. 
serial killers, because I'm referring to him, people have him labeled as a serial killer, and I'll, I'll give you my diagnosis of why I believe that's absolutely un- incorrect. But when, when you're, you're an organized serial killer, you stalk your victims, you watch them you, for periods of time, and you're perfecting your, your M.O., you're perfecting your, your your everything. You have a signature. Those are the things that serial killers do. And when you're disorganized, you, you just randomly pick people to kill. And that's what this guy's doing. He didn't know that Whitey was going to come along. He's setting a trap for anyone. So he doesn't have a victim of particular color, race, gender, or anything. So so that's why I'm actually disagree. You made the distinction that, look, he's not this guy ringing on the knife just like fucking uh, Friday the 13th and Jason and or Michael Myers and just stabbing people and you're correct but again schizophrenia is a the paranoia is a symptom of that particular mental ailment it doesn't mean that you don't know that you shouldn't drink bleach that you know you shouldn't jump off bridges you know all these things but it sets your mind on a particular course that you have to take action to and again I'm not making excuses I'm just giving you a diagnosis of what it means rather than just say look if if he doesn't, if he's not smearing shit all over himself, he must not be crazy. That's that's not what's going on here. There are different levels of crazy. This guy was very disturbed, and he was pushed along by a particular mindset that he had. That well, it's a brain or organic brain uh, development. So, and you talk about knives. So let me give you an example. His next victim is a woman by the name of Mary Gulfoil. She's 24 years old, and according to him. His father has instructed him to kill. So what does he do? He's driving along in his freaking station wagon. He sees a woman. He picks her up. And he's driving along and suddenly pulls out a knife. and just stabs her through the chest a number of times. And he continues to stab her until he finally pulls over. He cuts open her stomach. He pulls out all her organs. He takes them into the to a, a, a wooded area where there's, where there's uh, trees. He hangs her organs over the branches so he can examine them because he's looking for evidence that she's polluting the world and therefore an earthquake is coming. And her body isn't discovered for months later. She's a skeleton. They find it. So to answer your question, he is ringing around like Michael Myers in a way with a freaking big ass knife. He's stabbing people. That's victim number two. So is he crazy? I, I would argue that only a crazy person does that. Now, if he had a reason, say she was his ex-girlfriend, she stole his money, reasons that seem to have some type of logic behind them, I would say, huh, okay, this guy's a little bit different. This guy's acting because of his mental state. So let's go on. Right away, November 2nd, 1972, because he felt that maybe he's questioning what his father instructed him to do. Obviously, his father did not instruct him to do this. He's imagining this. He goes to see a Catholic priest. He goes to St. Mary's Church in Los Gatos, and Father Henry Tomei is there. He walks in there to talk to him. And in the confessional booth, he opens it up, goes in there, pulls out a knife, and starts stabbing, kicking, and hitting the trees till he basically bleeds to death. And he runs out of there. And 
and a witness saw him and said it was a tall, skinny man, but they really couldn't put a, you know, a real a description to, to, to arrest him. But here we are with him doing this stuff, and his reasons are, again, it's sacrifice. He's sacrificing a priest for nature to stop this earthquake from coming. He believes that every day that passes, it's an affirmation that he's actually doing the right thing because the earthquake wasn't, hasn't happened yet, so therefore he must be doing something right. Do you believe this guy? I can because I work downtown L.A., but I see these guys. I see the look in their eyes. They don't know where they are. One of them lunged at me the other day, accused me of following him and being the white devil. And here's a question I for you. No, I thought he made a good point. But, Bill, I don't get why it matters. Who do you think is scarier? Um, who's like a really calculated killer? Let's say Edmund Kemper, which we'll get to later. Who's scarier? A guy who knows exactly what he's doing or a guy who has no idea what he's doing? And why does it matter? To me, this guy is scarier because I figure with Kemper, at least I can sort of profile him or something. So he 
into the house, he kills David, a nine-year-old child, and Damon, a four-year-old child. All because he believes that she gave him telepathic messages that she needed to be a sacrifice along with the kids. He shoots them dead right there. Three people, one city. But he's not done yet, Jumon. He walks down the street looking for a gym. When he gets to Jim's house, what does he do? He just, he just tells him, hey, you got me a smoke some pot. The guy's like, what? Oh, shoots him as well. When the guy runs back in the house to warn his wife, Mullen breaks down the door, goes into the room, and kills the guy's wife as well. So he's killed five people in about 20 minutes. That's frightening. I hope that's not the guy that was trying to break into my house at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning. That's insane. Yeah, but it, it shows you the kind of guy this guy is. I mean, there's no, there's, there's a reason, but it's not logical. It's, it's all based on this thing about earthquakes and schizophrenia that this guy gave me some pot and the woman's giving telepathic messages killed her and her kid. This makes no sense, though. It doesn't lessen it. Guy's dangerous. Need him off the streets. But, you know, he doesn't stop. He, this guy's, all this stuff is happening within a couple months following month, February 10th, 1973, Mullen's out hiking. Uh, why he's hiking in a state park in Santa Cruz, I have no freaking idea. But he's hiking, and he comes across four teenagers. One of them is Robert, Spe- Robert Spector, 18 years old. Brian Scott, um, his last name is Carr, his name is, uh, he's 19 years old. Uh, David Oliker, 18, and Mark I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name. He's only 50 years old. They're camping. They're camping. Mullen tells them he's a park ranger. And then they, they need to leave because they're polluting the forest. They basically laugh at him and shoo him away. What happens the next day is going to shock you. So let me call right back and let you know. All right. I know we discussed it already, so I'm not trying to be redundant here. But this is all sounding very organized to me. He's in a park. Why is he hiking? You ask me why he's hiking. Rhetorically, you ask that. He's hiking because he has an elaborate plan to kill a bunch of people. Well, oh, no doubt. I mean, that's not organizing because the victims aren't. He's not organizing his thoughts or his motive or his stalking ability or his watching. He's not. He doesn't target people because he's watching. That's what disorganized and organized means. He's disorganized because he, he, he's by chance. He has no idea those kids are out there hunting up camping. He runs across me and decides, huh, this is a great plan. Let me just nail these kids now. So he's considered disorganized. And that's what he does. The next day he comes back. The kids are in a tank. He pulls out a pistol and shoots all four of them and kills them. And he sees a 22 caliber rifle and says, huh, this is great. He grabs that. He grabs a few dollars that they had and he leaves. He leaves them right there in the forest. So that's what I mean by disorganized. And, and, and these, these different like uh, categories, he is considered disorganized killer. But look, it's, 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 here's a good example of how disorganized, and meaning it's all basically random. So he's driving back. He's in a station wagon, grabbing, you know, jamming to the Beach Boys, and he notices a guy by the name of Fred Perez. He's in his front yard. He's gardening. He's a former prize fighter, which Mullen has no idea about because he doesn't know the guy. He sees him, he stops, he does a U-turn, comes back over, he pulls over, comes out of his car, pulls out his brand new 
22 rifle, 22 caliber rifle that he took from the kids, sets up like a sniper across the freaking hood of the car, he shoots this guy twice in the chest, he kills him. Now his neighbor, uh, Mr. Perez's neighbor, and by the way, Mr. Perez is 72 years old, writes down the license plates to Mullen's car, and shortly after that, they pull him over, he's got the gun in the car, he has everything there, they arrest him without any, you know, disturbance, he doesn't try and shoot the cops, he doesn't shoot it out, he just surrenders, like a little, well, I'm not going to say girl, because there's some pretty tough girls out there that probably would have given a better fight than this guy, but the guy really is, you know, just a guy who gives up. They take him to the police station, and they have no idea who this guy is. They have no idea that he killed the kids. He had, they have no idea he stabbed the people, uh, the, the girl and left her there. He, they have no idea that he shot those kids in the forest. None of this stuff because he is so random. There are different weapons, different modus operandi, different victims, different races, different sex, different age. And at the same time, Edmund Kimper is killing people in the same area during the same time. Funny enough, Edmund Kimper is arrested about two weeks after this clown. Yeah. So Mullen is... I guess we can skip ahead a little bit here in that he's convicted. The jury does not find him insane, so he's not able to get that diagnosis, and he ends up in jail with Edmund Kemper, the fat, blowhard hipster that every sort of, I don't know, TV psychiatrist or psychologist thinks is like the next coming of Jesus. Let me explain to you idiots how this works. You're supposed to keep this guy talking to analyze what's going on in his head. You're not supposed to actually become friends with him and believe what he's saying. And they they all dropped the ball real hard on this one. Well, yeah, they, with good camp, they did. They always they love to hear guys talk who are serial killers. They think they're giving them something. Edmund Kimber's a smart guy. He, he, he's not a freaking moron. He's got a very high IQ. He understands what he's doing. He gives them what they want to hear. It keeps him in the media, keeps him in the, in the services, keeps him, uh, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, law enforcement coming to talk to him because he's the zero killer willing to work with him. Well, what he's doing, he's serving his own purpose of, you know, spotlight being on himself. He does so with Her- with uh, Herbert. He calls him Herbie. He says that he's an angry guy, that he always hates people. He gives them a job at the prison that they're, that they're at. And then he treats them basically like he's, the Batman to his Robin. And it's very interesting because Edmund Kemper is showing his true colors, and, and there it is right there. There's another serial killer there that has more kills in him, by the way, but he puts them down, he makes them seem like he's, that he's Robin, that he's Batman, and that um, he calls him Herbie, gives him a little cookie, and the guy acts right, and he's called behavior modification, all these stupid things that a pretty much an armchair five-cent psychologist, which is what Edmund Kimber is, is doing. And of course, all the freaking psychologists, psychiatrists in the prison think, oh my God, this guy's great. He's giving us all these answers. He's just tooting his own horn. I see it a mile away. Guy's a joke. Yeah, Kemper's whole thing that he told these various profilers and psychologists is, 
he was able to train Mullen, you know, to give him peanuts and that he's known a lot of schizophrenics and they hoot and holler. And this is something that you sometimes talk about when we're not on the air is that the people in your surrounding area are hooting and hollering and singing. They sing a lot like crazy people. Kemper said this guy can't be schizophrenic essentially because I haven't heard him sing since he got here. And so he was saying that the whole thing was a ruse. Yeah, well, that shows the, the ignorance. I don't think it's ignorant. I think he knows the true answer, but his ego is too big so it overrides what he knows to be a fact. First and foremost, every psychologist and psychiatrist knows that each person with a mental disorder is different. Their personality. There are quiet people who are growth athletes. There are boisterous people who are world class athletes. Every serial killer, every killer is different. Just because this guy Mullen is not screaming and yelling does not mean he's not out of his mind. He does, he's not schizophrenic and a paranoid schizophrenic. That is ridiculous that Temper would even go out on a limb like that because if he's on that limb, I'm going to knock him down every time. He's absolutely incorrect. And to say that just shows his ignorance or that he can't help himself. One of the two, each one is bad. But so, my diagnosis of this guy, Mullen. By definition, he killed three or more people, yes. Under the FBI uh, norms of conduct or whatever you want to call it, profilers, yes, he seems to be a serial killer. The part that doesn't work with me is that he is not doing it for any gratification, sexual or psychological. If If there is... The gratification that's psychological is because of mental disease and because of schizophrenia. It doesn't put him in the same category. And as you mentioned before, it doesn't matter if he's not. He killed 13 people, so that's what we have to look at, of course. But me as a guy who's profiling him, looking at him what he is, he's not a tiger. He's a wolf. So he's a predator, but he's a different kind of predator. Like there's difference between a mass murderer and a, and a serial killer or a spree killer and a hitman. There are different categories. Mullen, different category. I think the American public and these guys who supposedly profile these guys got it wrong with this guy. He doesn't meet the qualifications of, say, a BTK, a Dahmer, or any of these guys. This guy's different. And that's why a lot of people haven't heard about this guy. But, by the way, he did die this year. Um, he died on... Um, on August the 18th, 2022, which is just a month and a half ago, he died at the age of 75. And Edmund Kipper is still alive, so he's still talking. And of course, since that book came out, Mindhunter, that mentions him so many times, written by Doug, John Douglas, this guy, Kipper, continues to get all the accolades of being this guy of, you know, of ultimate knowledge about serial killers. And, oh, gee, Bill, that kind of sounds like you. You're profiling these guys. Well, I'm not a serial killer. And I'm not saying I know everything, but I certainly have had more experience than Edmund Kimber when it comes to serial killers because I live with some of the most famous ones that have been around, and I was able to take care of them for more than a decade. So Edmund Kimber wrong, and uh, all in dead now. So here's what I'm getting out of this, and I don't have that many good ideas. When I do, I capitalize on them. I don't understand in the DSM, which you know what that is. Listeners know what that is. It's the Dictionary of Psychiatric Diseases. Why the hell is there not a distinction between violent schizophrenics and other schizophrenics? 
Oh, I think there is. There is? I just, we don't know when it's going to happen. <laughs> we don't know. There's no way to tell by, sometimes you can, depending on what the person says, can you tell what he's going to do next? I mean, this guy, Mullen, wasn't going to tell people, hey, I'm going to go kill these people. They're going to be sacrificed. you got to stop me now. They never do that. So it's very difficult for us as a society to grab these guys and say, look, he has the potential to become violent. We're going to throw him in an institution for the rest of his life. He can't get out. We'll have the ACLU breathe down your neck and filing a thousand lawsuits in your ass for human violations, you know, condition violations of the yin-yang. So we can't do it. So it's obviously re- we're always reactive. We, re- we, we react to serial kill. We react to situations. We can't throw people in prison because they have the potential to possibly be dangerous. No, I'm I'm saying people that have assaulted someone before, and now they're out. People that have, um, yeah, I, I guess his delusions weren't outwardly violent, and that it was he was a product of the times. It's all about the environment, and I'm sure he probably claimed to be Native American at some point, and 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 that kind of thing. And I'm saying once a schizophrenic person expresses violent ideology why are they not considered into a separate category well we have that today we understand what guys are terrorists or potential terrorists and they start expressing that we like to bomb this place they grab those guys and they throw them in a hole somewhere but in the 1970s they didn't do that but also remember he did not commit any crimes prior to him starting the spree once he started this spree of killing he didn't stop till he got caught he was, never, he was never arrested as a kid for torturing or cutting a kid up or doing anything like that. This guy had no priors until he suddenly starts killing. It was spontaneous. And once he started, it was only like a four-month period that he killed 13 people until he's caught. And that's it. He goes off to prison, and that's the end of him. So how do you start? How do you stop that? There's no way because with him, there was no... Uh, there was no... Uh, So just to dignify Kemper for a minute, why is his point that the guy kind of mellowed out? He's saying that he was faking it because, you know, he's not constantly violent and delusional. I think the obvious answer is this is called an episode. But why is his point just, I guess, bogus and missing the point entirely? because first of all he's a freaking idiot but the other part is that when you're in prison there are not many victims in prison Kemper Mullen Richard Ramirez all those clowns are separated in most parts from other people there are no opportunities to kill anybody because in prison serial killers are victims they're not predators the real predators are the convicts the guys that are in gangs the guys you shouldn't be afraid of Edmund Kemper and guys like Mullen are afraid in prison. They live in fear. So he's completely wrong because one of his diagnoses, well, he hasn't continued to kill. Well, neither have you, you freaking moron. He's still a serial killer, aren't you? But if you put him on the street and let him drive around town, I bet you he starts killing again. It's opportunity. People in the streets understand that serial killers are predators, but only predators when they have the upper hand. When they're dealing against guys that can fight back and guys who are alert and guys who are dangerous, they train to push cats. That's the bottom line. Let me call you back and close out because it's almost 11. I'm kind of torn on this because Edmund Kemper is a giant guy. He's six foot seven, probably 
at least 300 pounds. But he's also like probably 50% body fat. But should you be afraid of a guy like that just due to his size entirely? Absolutely. He is a killer. He's a predator. It doesn't matter if he's 5'7 and 130 pounds. If a person, a human being, decides to do harm to someone else, it doesn't matter how big they are. They can inflict harm. No, no, no. I just meant. I just meant. Should you be more afraid of him versus like a six foot one guy who's in shape? That's what I was asking. I think they should be both feared. Edmund Kim Pipper probably more because he does like to kill. It's something he likes to do, and he's good at it. So, and he's six foot eight, three hundred and probably ninety pounds. So yeah, if he grabs a hold of you, you're in trouble. Yeah, but if you grabbed his arm. It's probably just like a, essentially a water balloon that you feel right to the bone. I'm I'm just saying like, he is scary because uh, he's a giant. But like I'm just saying, how much does that really factor in into the? Uh, well, there's intimidation. There's an intimidation factor. But I, I'm just saying like, if you're a big guy but you're just completely out of shape, you're still a big guy. I, I'm just like. You know I don't what I mean? think it matters because he's not going to run a marathon. He's not going to box you for fucking for twelve rounds. Right. With for twelve seconds that it takes to kill somebody with your bare hands, a guy that's three, a guy that's three hundred and fifty pounds, six foot eight, that just lands on top of you, starts squeezing your throat, your larynx is crushed with eleven pounds of pressure. If he sticks his thumb in your eye socket, pushes in, he can kill you. It doesn't take much. It doesn't matter what kind of shape he is. Now, if he's going to box you or try and catch you, that's a different story. But if he's got you in a small area and he's pinned you down, you're in trouble. So Mullen's gone. I think, you know, if this happened today, I do think there was a way that he could have got some care that he needed to where he was off the streets. But I walk around today. I live in Los Angeles, and these guys are out there all over the place. They're looking at you like you're the enemy. Like they have a whole conspiracy cooked up of why they should kill you. And I know it happens in every major city. You see them walking around. Well, there's a reason I came to California because it's a great place to, to live. And it's uh, and it's the same reason that crazy people come to California. Exactly. <laughs> they want the sunshine. They want to, hey, hey, barbecue at, 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 uh, at Matt's house. You know, all the homeless people. That, that's who was probably knocking at your door at 6 in the morning. All right, I don't have all the answers, but certainly, like Bill, you always say, keep your head on a swivel and be aware of your surroundings, because whatever the guy's motivation, these guys really are out there. I see them, and I, I would say, I'm not trying to steal your line, but be aware of it, so that's all no, I got. Absolutely, I think you're absolutely correct. If you're aware of your surroundings and you're paying attention, there's a less likelihood that someone's going to sneak up on you or someone's going to take advantage of you. That's all we're saying, and, and Matt, by you, you know, resounding that same bell that I ring every time, it's true. So, in closing, um, yeah, be safe, be aware of your surroundings, your life can depend on it.